everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I'm going to get each and every one of you sooner or later. Oh, is that the Crypt Keeper? That's sort of maybe, and also Mr. Burns. I have no idea. Oh, I heard, I heard Kermit. <laughs> Wasn't that Kermit? Piggy. <laughs> Piggy. <laughs> I feel like it would. Can you do Piggy? Kermit Frog. That's pretty good. Kermit. Kermit. Hiya. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hiya. James, what's your what's your Muppet? <laughs> I can do Kermit too. I mean, everyone can. Kermit the Frog. Whoa, I feel like Jim Henson Jr. is right here with us right now. Yeah, and that's the only one. Brian Henson. Brian Ah. Henson. You know Jim Henson's son's son's name? When Jim Henson died, his son took over Kermit, and it definitely didn't sound usual. Uh, It's actually called Brian Henson's Workshop. (laughs) Thank you very much. I just flick a cigarette. (laughs) But enough about Jim and Brian Henson. Hi, I'm Kermit the Frog. (laughs) What? I'm the same frog. So what? (laughs) And I'm the new Miss Piggy. <laughs> um, but enough about the glorious world of the Muff- Muppets that Jim Henson bequeathed to us. Because we have a, a guest here, don't we, this week? We do. And I'm excited to have her here. Uh, I hope you guys are too. Evany Rosen. I'm just trying to remember how Fozzie sounds so I could have really come in hot. But I can't remember. Waka waka. Oh, yeah. Waka, waka, waka. (laughs) (laughs) Thrilled to be here, guys. (laughs) Can I say, Ebony, it's it's great to have you back. Or, you know, you've done it before. Yeah, once when Chris was away. I'm just, I'm um, I'm nervous because this is the first Evil Man episode that has featured live and in person a real life husband and wife. Live and direct. I hope the marriage survives the recording. Yeah, well, if it doesn't, we can always go back and uh, punch in uh, an update. Yeah, because this podcast, you know, we're known for our um, fierce debates and um, heated discussions. So, Ebony, I hope we don't get on the wrong side of a a heated sort of fight. I'm honestly terrified. I mean, mean, it's an honor to be here. I'm nervous and I'm worried for the marriage. It's a a new marriage. We're, what are we, two months in? Yeah. Anything could go wrong. Okay, let's get started. What part of the war do you like and what part of the war do you not like? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Can we get a, a little review two months into uh, married life from his and her point of view? <laughs> <laughs> this actually, Mike, brilliant. This could be a great viral yeah. clip, what you're setting up right yeah. now. Yeah. Remember the newlywed game? Wait, did you ever see that uh, game show? Yeah, and you had to write down inane information that I you I would love to be on that. Yeah. You? Yeah. Like, what's her favorite song? And What's the guy your sweating? husband's favorite part of your body? <laughs> what are they supposed to Fingers. <laughs> Easy, her teeth. <laughs> he loves them. I remember always there would be a question like, what's the craziest thing he's ever said while making whoopee? They always use yes. the phrase making whoopee. Yeah. I love I, that. I found it uncomfortable love, even as a child. Love connection with Chuck Woolery also used to always call it making whoopee. Making I, whoopee. Yeah. I would love to bring yeah. that what back. That? What do you, do you think the whoopee cushion came before or after that term and how did those things get kind of conflated? <laughs> oh, God. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. confusing like as a Chuck, kid. Chuck Woolery's having sex with some woman in the 90s and he farts. He's like, oh, guess I made a little whoopee myself. <laughs> 
or maybe when whippy cushions first came out, men tried to have sex with them. <laughs> American you really pie. stretch the hole out. <laughs> <laughs> I need a new whoopee cushion. Filled. This I way. fucked the shit out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he's about to get his dick in it, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another whoopee cushion filled. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, of, if I was on Love Connection, I'd be like, "What kind of fucking whoopee are we talking about here?" <laughs> Michael, uh, it, what you're describing makes me think of a flashlight. And perhaps oh. whoopee cushions were the original flashlights. Yeah, you fill it up, then you Throw sit it. on it, and it makes a funny sound. <laughs> and a real mess. <laughs> you don't sit on a flashlight. That's the dildo you're thinking of. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Gosh, eh? what's the... What's been the highlight of married life so far? Well, James I will Ebony? say, uh, Ebony is very busy um, at her, her job. Mm-hmm. She's making a wow, show. James, wow. So we haven't had wow, a chance wow, wow, to even wow, wow. go anywhere or do anything fun Whoa, yet. So he's kind of complaining got... that you're <laughs> too career focused. So it's going really bad. <laughs> he's saying that he feels he feels neglected. I haven't, you know, Ebony's working all day, so I just do my tennis lessons. I go to the gym. Uh, you know, I keep in like incredible he shape. He loves his tennis instructor. Don't you have him? You go to yeah. your lunches. <laughs> you gossip. Great. I gossip with my friends. I drink <laughs> prosecco at lunch. Don't you have like a massage every Wednesday? Yeah, Friday? I know because Ebony's at work so you know what can i do you got you're doing that charity to help dogs with dry skin (laughs) yeah i have my dog charities you know and you're active in the pta even though and here's the funny thing you two don't have a child no that's right yeah i'm I'm getting involved in all kinds of stuff as a married man when you have a working wife frankly do you think about having a child sometimes and just Fucking up her career? <laughs> so you can spend more time together? Well, it, it's crossed my mind. Um, that is how kids work, right? <laughs> yes, yes. But no, uh, we haven't had a chance to go away yet, but we are going to Mexico soon, so that'll be fun. So so it was kind of oh. a weird thing, because we had the wedding, and it was so fun, and yes. then you kind of, without getting to go immediately on a honeymoon, mm-hmm. you just go back to regular life. So that was like a depressing <laughs> couple of weeks after an amazing buildup that it's like, oh, I'm just doing a now stand-up you, show. From what I remember about you right after the wedding, you wouldn't take the tux off for like about a week, right? You insisted on <laughs> wearing it around. Whereas you, Evany, you sort of got back to business. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I ripped my wedding dress off the second our vows were over, just breast yeah. exposed, sort of running through the reception. But James, on the other hand, wouldn't take it off. Well, I'm a little bit over you know, the bride getting all this attention for her dress. And I thought it yeah. was high time the groom got a little attention for his suit. So well, I, Your tux I, was way... Prettier and more ornate than <laughs> every dress. It was the beading. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> yeah. Can I say something about all of? And all there of was a long train that Mike and I had to hold as <laughs> <Yeah>. we walked. <laughs> <laughs> a cape. I called it a cape. It was a train. <laughs> Your bridesmaids and, in general, all of the the women at the wedding were dressed like so nicely. I will say, James. Mm. Some of the fellows were phoning it in. Oh, Mike. Oh, wow. Burn. That's burn what I love. Did anyone at the wedder, uh, wedding? Wedder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from out east. We call them wedders, eh? <laughs> I went to your wedder. Got her pregnant. Now I got to get wedders. Yeah. <laughs> Do you take this guy to be the hubby? Do you Goodbye. take her to be the wifey? <laughs> I can't remember. That's I wedders. personally tried to wear a suit. 
I'm, yeah, I, you look great. I, I got it Tried? tailored. I think Mike looked great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, the I best I can do it. is I put it on my body, but I, I never fully feel like I'm actually pulling it off. But You look great. I didn't notice, but did any guy do that lazy thing <laughs> where they put like a sort of super thin cashmere sweater over a checkered collared shirt? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The lazy man's dressing up. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who would have done that. <laughs> well, yeah, I read books. Look, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah, who are the male fashion icons of the wedding? I mean, I gotta say, Chris looked great. Tom you. is, you know, he looked great. Tom had a sort of Miami Vice. Style. Tom had a Miami Vice, like. Yeah, yeah. And Chris, didn't you have yeah, kind you know, of a tan a suit, suit or something? Yeah. Yeah, I got a summertime <laughs> suit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who's that author who wore white always? Tom Wolf. Tom Wolf, who'd walk around in a white suit like a Panama hat. I never read a word he wrote. I just know that he that was his style. Man, if someone, well, all Toms have to do it. <laughs> if someone's like get up, like if they're a film like auteur, like the or or, or any kind of like a writer, if they're if they kind of have a get up that is like meticulously you know, like a sort of, look, like a look. Ernest I Hemingway. Know it's good product, <laughs> right? Like well, if you see a film director and they have a giant witch's hat and a Doctor Who scarf <laughs> blowing over their shoulder, I gotta fucking watch their two-hour movie called Cedar in the Snow. Cedars is in the dang snow. I challenge By any any listener. <laughs> Google any fantasy author. They all look the exact same. I, I don't mean to be rude. They're all large men with beards and leather um, <laughs> duster jackets. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And like a old timey leather hat, like a like yeah. a leather fedora and a leather duster jacket. They, lo- they love leather as a group in a way you wouldn't yeah. expect. Yeah. There's some different groups that love leather and that's the most surprising one, I think. <laughs> Imagine you bumped leather into lovers. Neo 40 years later <laughs> because... Morbidly obese, yeah. <laughs> and he had a white beard. Now that, that guy has six books set in a kingdom. And also, if you're an aspiring author or filmmaker listening to this right now, get an affectation first before any <laughs> semblance of an yeah. idea. That's what will sell you more than anything, in my opinion. It would be cool. I, I find my I feel socially awkward sometimes, and I think it would be cool to and go into into a social situation. And you're doing a thing. You're doing some affectation. Yeah, like, I would honestly love to incorporate that into my. And I would people love to love go to the that. TIFF People never box. make fun of it. They love the energy. Yeah. People <laughs> love kind of an older, rotund man coming into a party in a leather duster, starting every sentence with. Actually, people yeah. love women, especially love it. Bell lightbox with me and just twirl some canes in the lobby. Yeah, I think that would be a recreational cane. <laughs> my friend Rachel used to date a guy who who just carried around a recreational cane. Ask me if I need really? that cane I have. Do Do you need it? Yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the only part of his affectation? Like he didn't wear like a funny hat and like have a little mustache and stuff. I can't believe he just left it at like a button-down shirt, jeans, and then a recreational cane. I have to it? assume it. Who was it? Just like a guy my friend dated like ten years ago. But it was, was he magic? I think in his mind, yes. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he would kind of hide to appear at a party, but he would have been there for a long time behind a couch. <laughs> Once I've had enough Cheetos, I'll have enough courage to show them who I really 
twirl his cane and emerge. <laughs> My well, affectation, I think, is I own t- uh, two and maybe three pairs of pants. Is that it, Mike? But I need to. Uh, that's why I was going jeans shopping today. I realized yeah. I, I have, heard a lot about this. I don't yep. have enough You're jeans. Mike was texting. <laughs> Did you go to Blue Notes at Sherway? <laughs> I went nuts there. Yeah, Mike texted. Took an edible beforehand to really enjoy it. <laughs> Started making cutoffs yeah. in the store. <laughs> Mike texted me tonight and told me he was before the podcast. He was going jeans shopping, yep. and I was like, "This is killer." For the pod, like we got to know how it went. Mikey. I love that we're, we th- we are fully emerged into the 2020s, aren't we? Men can talk about going jean shopping to other men. Yeah, yeah. vibrant it's masculinity. It's, it's okay it's for vi- men. It's vibrant masculinity. If men shop till they drop, that's fine. What kind of what kind of wash were you looking for, Mike? Similar to this dark blue, because <laughs> I was looking at some jeans that were too light and had like they were distressed and they were like I can't. Pull off a distressed, like ripped. Oh God, pre-ripped no, jeans neither. thing, and uh, I don't want a light, a light pair of jeans. So you're basically looking for jeans that are as close to a trouser as you can get. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, Mike, yeah, like, a, like a formal suit trouser in jean uh, form. Do you I don't want the jeans yeah. with pleats <laughs> that aren't that aren't necessarily denim. Dark crisp blue, <laughs> <laughs> sir. Do you, do you brown <laughs> jeans, <laughs> sir, sir? Cotton. <laughs> Cotton jeans. Maybe something with a matching sport coat. Um. <laughs> Sir, do you mean dress pants? No, no, no. No, no. I'm, I'm, brown, I'm a cool guy. I'm jeans. rock and roll. Yeah. You've seen the cover of Born in the USA? Well, something like that, but less so. Yeah. Mike and I... The cover of... Oh, what would cover, that guy's manager wear? <laughs> the cover of Born in the USA is irresponsible. <laughs> Mike, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable or bad. But I think I might see with my own eyes why you were shopping for jeans. James, have you been staring at my crotch? From my vantage point, you can see Mike's crotch is worn out on his darn jeans. Darn, what a pun, because you darn a hole. James, I'm going to be getting a lot of emails because of that (laughs) revelation. Let me guess what that worn out uh, patch in your crotch is from. Lap dances. (laughs) Chris, no. Making whoopee. No, I got a, I got a hole in these jeans too on the butt. So what? don't. <laughs> I got a, I got a hole in the front. You got a hole in the back. Put them together. We got a real pair of jeans in trouble. <laughs> oh, we are a pair of jeans. <laughs> Every where do you shop for jeans? Oh, um, all over. I'm a real jeans nomad. I'll take okay. my denim where I can get it. Take my denim, please. Take my <laughs> denim, please. Please. Take my <laughs> denim, pleats. <laughs> uh, well, we hope you find a good pair of jeans and Thank we should you. put it to our Discord. Yeah. Like send where, send us your best well, jeans. Send that Mike you think free jeans Mike. if yeah. you work at a store. Or like yeah. where Mike should Mike Where should Mike um go jean shopping and you know, yeah. I don't know. People yeah. people are obsessed with Mike on there, and yeah. this is a great thing, yeah. great community building. I can't wait for a topic. lot of people to go. Levi's, yeah, well, like, Levi's are good. <laughs> Does Mike know that he's genuinely the most fan favorite evil man? But host? I, I, I think it's Mike's elusiveness that people are so drawn to him, almost like um, J.D. Salinger or something. Or Bob well, Dylan. We're way too open and vo- inviting and vulnerable. We sit there on the Discord with our legs spread wide open. <laughs> 
Not a single hole in your jeans. <laughs> not a single. Well, yeah, Mike really avoids. He does not avoids, but he doesn't really dip into dip his little toes in the Discord. Hey, not really. Which not is, at all. Is, yeah, not at all. I, I guess peek I'm being diplomatic. Every now and then. I, I you do <laughs> over the fence like Wilson in <laughs> Home Improvement, uh, or like howdy, Bob Dylan in the uh, artisanal wrought iron gates he makes now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what um, he's up to. Well, send us your ideas on what jeans Mike should wear. (laughs) (laughs) Cut, fit. (laughs) I tried on some jeans that were way too skinny and like like form-fitting, and I thought, I can't pull those off. I remember when I first realized that tighter pants were good for men or fashionable for men, and it was confusing to me. Like when I was at... 20 i wore the widest baggy baggy yeah, jeans. like a raver baggy yeah. jeans yeah. era but it's baggy again now wow well Baggy's back. we found a pair of pants khaki pants in james's childhood home that both of us <laughs> and a third person could have fit inside of they were so baggy it was wild were they mod robes no it was cords no yeah, yeah right were, it was they cords were cords wow. they were sort of a brown cord and they were they and were James some of the most. Them? Yeah, they were some of the most humiliating pants I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, that's and true. They were fully beige khakis. Like no brown, like oh. a caramel brown cord, wide, wide. Good like, God! Yeah, yeah like, almost flared. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. I use. I remember that's pure Orangeville. I remember in city high school city. thinking like tighter <laughs> shirts and wider pants is good. That was what I thought was good. That's yeah. the pyramid look. <laughs> wide base. Yeah. Chicks are attracted to you if it looks like your bottom half is in a pool. <laughs> <laughs> and you wear that pointy triangle hat on your head all the time, too, to really complete the look. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see you all as teens. I feel like Mike looked the same as he does now. I literally have had... My longest relationship in my life has been with my sideburns. Yeah. I've had them forever and basically have worn the same, same style of shirt. Since I was but like Mike, 15. Ja- Jackie Pirico went on record as saying the photo of you in high school holding a trombone is hot. I gotta see this pic. I think you have seen it online. I'll show it to you after. But uh, I, I would argue with Jackie that it's not. <laughs> <laughs> this is when you were in a straight edge big brass band. <laughs> is that accurate? I was in the Oshawa, uh, in my Oshawa High School uh, jazz band with my trombone, and I think. I was wearing suspenders in the picture. And I was ska. Pale. You were bringing some fresh ska energy some to ska. the Oshawa Jazz. Evany, you like ska too as a team. I did like you ska and Mike. As a team. Probably would have had fun chatting. Yeah. I looked at, like I was as pale as like an old picture of Eugene O'Neill. <laughs> like ninety pounds and uh, yeah, wispy mustache and goatee. Uh, Chris was like a cool guy as a teenager. Smoked weed skateboarded, liked <laughs> punk music. Am I wrong? Yeah, but it still sounds embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not wrong, but, you yeah. know. And were you a rave kid? Um, a, a punk rocker or jazz? <laughs> <laughs> Mike's desperate for it's it to one be of the, the last three. one. <laughs> I, f- I feel like I was a little too young for it to be ravey. I feel like I was I was a little bit punk and... A little bit ska. <laughs> All right. Ebony yeah. sang, I believe, in a band, yeah, right? I did. What were they called? We never settled on a name. We kept, it was one of those kind of high, we kept getting new names. At one point it was called Lead Core. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Lead, like, 
like I think just the construction company that was around Toronto oh, okay. and we were on our way to play at a high school and went that's it now. Not Buttcon? No, we yeah, we should have been Buttcon. Actually that would have held up. But we kept changing the name. I wish I could remember some of the didn't other names. You, the didn't Midnight you, Ramble. It had really embarrassing names. Didn't you sing like a Save Ferris song or, or something? I thought you said. I don't think we did a Save oh, Ferris okay. song. So it would have been a double cover. Maybe that's my fantasy. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I can do that later. <laughs> you want to hear me sing Come On Eileen in full ska <laughs> regalia? I'll do it. <laughs> I'll get Mike to back me up on the, tr- on the trombone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did like that band, though. I did, too. Well, I only know the covers. Anyway. Yeah, they did hmm. another song about spam. <laughs> Damn. Well, that, that was kind that of that like went a, kind of into a weird flat zone. But it was, was like an episode of Newlyweds or whatever. Yeah, Newlywed yeah game. that's true. Well, before we take a break, uh, I just want to <laughs> mention... We have to take a break now. I think after we all, everyone needs yeah. a bit of a reset after the ska hole we all went into. <laughs> Chris, I just wanted to mention you had a movie premiere this weekend. I mean, Huge. I guess it'll be a week ago when this airs, but congrats. Thanks so much. Yeah, the movie's called Who's Your Father? It's written and directed by Jeremy Larder, and it stars me and Susan Kent, and it premiered two weeks ago in the Maritimes and... This Saturday in Toronto, and mm. yeah, it's doing well. That's exciting. It was really Congrats. Fun. I can't wait to see Thanks. it. Me too. Thanks. And Mike, um, this will air after it comes out, but your album release party's coming out. You've got an album coming out? Album how do you, coming out. How do you think the album release went that is actually tomorrow for us right now? It was great. Everything was going well until just near the very end. <laughs> And then things went off the rails, right. and the police came. I did spend the night in a cell. <laughs> um, I did soil myself in the cell during the night, but nice. I didn't remember it because I was passed out. Um, but other than that, it was a beautiful night, and um, um, uh, George Clooney came. Wow, that is exciting. Can I tell you something to future you right now before you go to jail tomorrow night? Mm-hmm. You'll always be free in your mind, man. They can't lock you up there. Yeah, who's really in jail? Us in jail or the people out in society? People in society, <laughs> people for in sure. People in society, for sure. People in society. I just, make, I just think it deserves a little more context. What happened is that uh, Mike couldn't find jeans before mm-hmm. the show. And he's in the middle of performing. And then he sees his hero, George Clooney, walks in. Yeah. And he gets so excited that crotch first, his jeans just split apart, <laughs> leaping off his body, revealing... No underwear. It's a public yeah. indecency kind of situation. Um, and he kind of makes Whoopi all over the place and has to go to jail. I, I also like the idea that tomorrow night at Mike's album release party, mm-hmm. he, you, you refuse to go on because you couldn't find new jeans for it. And you freak out and yeah. yell at everyone. I'm in the dressing room and like the stage hand is like, you're on, Mr. Belazzo. Like, I'm like, I don't have jeans, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to Mike's high school photo with the trombone. I wish you would. He looks like George Clooney in that photo. I gotta get eyes on this pic. (laughs) I'm salivating. I guess. George Clooney from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes Part (laughs) 2. Is he in that? Yep. Whoa. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Yep. I'm IMDb Joe over here. (laughs) James, are you scared I'm going to leave you for Teen Mike when I see him in this trombone? Well, I am a little bit worried. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll find out. Is that something new that we need to worry about? That technology will advance to the point that um, 
our partners can leave us for people in the past or, or AI. <laughs> well, you know how there's already that app that makes photos talk? So, like, people are making oh. photos of their grandpa from World War One talk to them. <laughs> Is that real? I'm proud. I'm What's fighting up, for you, dear. Um, <laughs> I believe with... <laughs> so, they, you can marry... Leave your wife for me! <laughs> <laughs> to his grand- granddaughter. <laughs> Grandpa, I'm proud you fought for our country, yeah. and I'm in love with you. We, uh, <laughs> new technology can animate this photo of your great grandfather from World War One, and then they, yeah, they hubba get, hubba, yeah, who's this? <laughs> Yowza! Didn't Peter Jackson do that thing where he restored film from World War One and made it look like like he did with Get Back? Made them look like the soldiers look like they're like contemporary, but he also yeah. made them look like. Like total hugs and at <laughs> well, he made he their enhanced army fatigues way tighter. Yeah, and he enhanced bodies. certain parts of their bodies, so yeah. all those old soldiers are really packing heat. Yeah, have you ever? They seen all that new Pharrell bag. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen fan anime of horny werewolves? Oh, of course. Yeah, me too. Me too. So they really make these giant packages push against their ripped jeans that they still wear when they transform into a werewolf. Anyways. Whatever, I'm anyway. getting off track. But I picture this. If only Mike like could that. get those jeans, those are durable. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have werewolf jeans? <laughs> I you know the them. kind that a werewolf would yeah. tear. If they <laughs> I remember that's my big werewolf dick won't rip through. There's a joke. If I turn years... into a werewolf in these jeans, would my dick look good? <laughs> years ago, there's a joke I, I'll always remember. Graham Wagner said it that we were talking about something. I don't know if it was a sketch or something. We we're talking about like. A man turning into a werewolf. Yeah, he was like, in no movie do they ever show what would actually happen is like a man turning into a <laughs> werewolf, and his, he gets hairy and like the claws come out. But he would also probably shit himself. <laughs> 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 and if it was a horror movie showing that all, they would have to show that yeah. as well. Arr- and it would be and he's <laughs> shitting on a in his living room, an American werewolf in London. <laughs> that beautiful nurse he dates comes home and sees dog shit all over the floor. <laughs> And he looks really ashamed in the corner. Yeah. Did you do this? <laughs> Did you do this? <laughs> to a werewolf? Bad boy. Just, puts wolf? his nose right in it. I always love picturing Han Solo being like, Chewie, get in here. And pointing at the carpet where there's like wet shit on the carpet. <laughs> Chewie, did you do this? Um, remember when you and Graham, speaking of like 20 years ago, did, did you did that joke where you showed the picture of Wolverine and it said Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of that. I always think of Wolverine as Wolverine. Wolverine. <laughs> I forget the context, but it's great. Beep, beep. <laughs> Please check out our Patreon account. It's at patreon.com slash evil men. If you go, you get two bonus episodes a month. Um, you get to go in our Discord I'm uploading videos early sometimes from episodes. We we do a lot to uh, to make it worth it for you. So please check it out. Patreon.com slash evil men. Evil men brought right to your door and delivered right into your hands. Exactly. Yeah. Mike, anything? It's you can access it on your laptop or tablet. Or phone. Or, or phone. Patreon.com slash evil men. Let us know if you have a tablet. Really embarrassing. Mike forgot about phones. (sighs) Let's move on. (laughs) Beep, beep. (laughs) Beep, beep. (laughs) 
Ebony, yes. uh, you chose this evil man this week. Who did you choose? I chose, it's a big boy in a small package, Napoleon Bonaparte. Yes. Oh. And Vote for Pedro! <laughs> <laughs> Ebony, Napoleon you- Dynamite is the subject <laughs> of this episode. Was he evil? Just weird. Was he evil or just French? <laughs> or weird? Yes. We'll find out. And Ebony, you're you're a I would I would go as far to say a history buff. You wrote a history book called What I Think Happened of funny history essays. And you are a big Napoleon he he captures her interest. I'm a Napoleon stan in a way that I recognize he has some evil stuff in his past. It's a standum that's uh, with some removal, but I love him. I'm very obsessed with Napoleon. I always have been. Last time Ebony was on the show, I wasn't here. So I don't know if it's been covered yet. But we ha- have you guys brought up on this show that Ebony is a brainiac? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, the planet smart? <laughs> yeah. Ebony is a brainiac. Like... I mean, I, I keep, there's countless examples, but you know. I'm going to say it on record. Mm. I'm both intimidated and afraid of Ebony. <laughs> oh, Chris. That's just because of that time I beat you in karate. <laughs> and that wasn't even, well, you used your brain a bit. But, yeah. But you're right. Only James. to control the robot, I felt. <laughs> Most of the guests we have on Evil Men are Stupid. extremely unintelligent. <laughs> yeah. You can walk all over Holes. them. We can confuse yeah. them by making jokes. Ennis, or- Tim Gilbert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I've probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've probably played Scrabble against Ebony twenty times, and I think I've won once. I have countless examples like this. That was a humble brag, by the way. (laughs) I won (laughs) once against a genius. (laughs) No, but you like playing a a strategy or word game or something like that against Ebony. Forget it. Speaking of strategy. Napoleon Bonaparte was known. I for can't his believe I'm kind of walking into this compared to Napoleon and his hubristic downfall. I feel good, quite <laughs> worried. <laughs> um, he was a brilliant strategist. But That's true, Mike. As yeah. you stanistically, as you put it, you <laughs> yeah. keep him at arm's length. But there must be things that you identify with, with Napoleon <laughs> with yourself as well. Yeah, I guess why I'm really here is to talk about how I am like him. Um, we well, always <laughs> and you also want Joaquin yeah. Phoenix to play you. I'm so mad about that. In your you're biopic, e- <laughs> you're either always photograph um, on a horseback where the horse is rearing in the air, yep. or with your uh, right hand in your inside your blazer pocket, or yeah. like inside of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or being coronated as the, <laughs> as the emperor of Europe. Um, yeah, no, but. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say I identify with him as a person, but I find him uh, very fascinating. And I would post to all of you, the Evil Men crew, uh, as we go through the tale of Napoleon, is he an evil man? Because this, this is a subject of great debate in history. Yes. I have read about Napoleon a little bit, and I get what you're saying. Good. <laughs> history is subjective. History is written by the victors, as a Klingon said once in a Star Trek movie. And he was the first to say it. They attributed that retroactively. Was was Napoleon... That Klingon got into history <laughs> yeah, books yeah. moving forward. They, put, they like scribbled it into a book from like a hundred years earlier after that Klingon said it. Do you think Worf was the Napoleon of <laughs> that spaceship? Not Worf. Worf wrote the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Uh, People don't know was, that. Worf was the Napoleon of that spaceship. He was the Napoleon of that spaceship. What's the spaceship called? The SS Enterprise. He was the Napoleon of the Enterprise. 
Now, I have a, a good question. Was Napoleon in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I believe yes. he was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Isn't it him that plays the um key like the keyboard solo? No, that must have been Beethoven. That must have been Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> Huge poll, James. I, seem I to take recall. back everything I said about Evan. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't even know what Napoleon was doing in that mall at the he, end. He, he was he like go surfing or something. Yeah. I go she like, knows uh, everything about history, but don't ask her about <laughs> Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> it's my blind spot. <laughs> I think he plays leisure, leisure Suit Larry or something, and he's yeah. like, I can't believe it. Oh yeah, he, he goes to an arcade. Yeah. He's temperamental <laughs> in the Bill and Ted. Like he he gets yeah. I think you're right. He plays at an arcade. He, he goes to mad. Wiggy Piggy or whatever it's called. Wiggly Piggly. Or <laughs> Piggly Wiggly. He tries to yeah, invade Piggly McDonald's. I'm back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Genius. Yes. Ah, uh, it's Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> so, Evany, before I sort of get going on Napoleon's early life, was there any preamble you wanted to say, or was it, or was it just the the question? Do you think? Do you I think th- he's no, evil? No, I think the question is important. And we will decide together where he ranks. But I also think, like, what is going to be crazy about Napoleon as we talk about him and why he is so famous is not just because he was a brilliant strategist or, like, military guy, because he has eclipsed guys like Alexander the Great or Robert E. Lee or anyone like that. It's also because I believe that Napoleon, like, invented PR spin. Like, I believe there's, like, a direct line from, like, Napoleon to the Kardashians, to Trump, to Kanye West, <laughs> to anyone, any of that. He, I think, kind of invented it in a way that is shocking and as deranged as those people. Wow. This is great. Okay, well, I'll get going, Ebony. It took a long time to make PR back then. <laughs> hey <laughs> You had to paint it and ship it. Yeah. You had to dip your quill <laughs> and make sure you had enough ink. That seems like the kind of thing, Chris, I could see you saying in a sexy moment to a woman that you're going to yeah. dip, dip your quill and sort of create a old-fashioned... In her ink pot. I'm going to write a letter in you. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopee. <laughs> okay, well, Evany, jump in whenever you want. So, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte was born in 1769. Why are we? Why is James doing this? <laughs> I we did talk about I'm this. Joking. I'm up for it. I'm just yeah, uh, he was born in Corsica, which was conquered by France during the year of his damn birth. You know what? That would bother me. Oh, really? Bothered him too. What? Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, His parents were uh, part of the Corsican resistance, and they fought against the French to maintain independence, even when his mom was pregnant with him. So he has it even in his. As an right. unborn fetus, fighting he was in fighting. His blood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can hear like fighting through the walls of your the uterus. <laughs> Imagine you can hear arguing about Corsican policy right through the walls of the uterus. <laughs> yeah, and you and your little gel bubble go. <laughs> Imagine a I big like this. a big war um, fought by fetuses. I'm being oh my uh, God. influenced right now. <laughs> um. So Napoleon, he came from kind of a moderately affluent background, so he was able to have greater opportunities for school. Oh, then who gives a shit? <laughs> he <Nepo>. should. Yeah, <laughs> he's like hell? Chet Hanks. Yeah, I'm sick of this shit, man. He is the Chet Hanks of Europe. <laughs> White Corsican boy summer. <laughs> um. So he's he when he's nine, he gets to move to France, and uh, he went to a military academy on daddy's dollar. <laughs> God, I hate the same old story, eh? Um, in his youth, he was an outspoken Corsican nationalist, and he supported 
its independence from from France. Uh, he grew up speaking Corsican, Corsican, and he didn't learn French until he was ten, and he had a distinct accent. Right. I guess it, that's an interesting thing to think because hmm. we associate him with France, obviously, but within France, even as the emperor, he didn't have a French accent. He sounded like it's like is Corsican. Sort of like Italian? Yeah, like, basically, like, Italy wasn't unified at this point, right. which will become very important in his career later. But basically, it's like all these little states, and they're all like, uh, my one's the best, and yeah. Corsica had been taken over. So he's like a little Italian guy who will it's take a over. Fran- it's a, a me, Bonaparte. Napoleon. Um, and It'd he- be like if uh, Shaba ranks United Canada. <laughs> <laughs> or someone from PEI. Yeah. Okay. But I still thought it'd be funny if a very thick reggae (laughs) accent was like, anyways, we can't do it. I think he was, when he went to like school as like an outsider in France, he was like miserably lonely as well. Yeah. Well, this is like like a big, there's a big revenge of the nerds theme here with Napoleon because he was kind of this like pasty boy and he had this like thick Italian accent (laughs) and didn't have like. His parent, like he really waffled on whether he was a nobleman or not, depending on like the tides of politics. So oftentimes he was like, "I'm a poor Italian boy," and then other times he'd be like, "No, I'm a fancy boy." Uh, but <laughs> either way, a boy and small and kind of sickly and bad with girls. He wrote a lot of embarrassing like love letters throughout his <laughs> life, which I'm sure will come up. At one point, he had like at 16. He had like command of an army, but was like just a teen who was like kind of suicidally depressed and writing a lot of like dramatic poetry while <laughs> running a battalion. He was, um, yeah, he yeah, was some teens badly start bullied. A band. Yeah, some teams started a band. Army. He had an army. Um, had they existed, would he have liked the Smiths? But he did his army love the Smiths? I think he would have been. I think he would have been throwing roses at Morrissey all day long. <laughs> did his army still help him build a half pipe in his backyard? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Sick. That's how he inspired a nation. <laughs> Damn. Grinding. Yeah, check um, it out. <laughs> um, but he really did have like a kind of like forlorn loser teen energy and was badly bullied by, by girls and boys. And hashtag I think, Bell Let's Talk. Hashtag Bell Let's Talk. And I think it would kind of inspire his need to conquer all of Europe. <laughs> hmm. Right. It was easier to get that going back then, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was easier to kind of get out your teen frustration by taking over an he entire was, yeah. continent. He was the original incel in a way. But he was kind of. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a big incel energy to yeah. him. But and also, Hitler. like, <laughs> it was, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I am being glib because I'm a modern person. People do think we're devolving these days, though, t- t- to be honest. But Whoa, Chris. Would it be... <laughs> True, not true, that, that it was easier to influence everyone back then because back then 90% of the population was absolutely shit dumb and impressionable. <laughs> well, interesting that you say that because... I know there's aristocrats out there, but even they're getting fat and lazy around this oh, time, Oh, yeah, right? they're, about, they're about to get the boot. Yeah. But part of what Napoleon will eventually take advantage of is actually that France had the most literate army at the time. Did Napoleon ever cross paths with Robespierre? Oh yeah, he did. He's coming up. Yeah, I, I, I love that era. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Changing the calendar and shit. Yeah. The supreme being. I love Full it. Cult. Watch we'll the there. movie Danton about George Danton by uh, Andres Wajda. You know, yeah. Mike's a film buff. 
And I a love buff. That shit. Mike's a buff film buff. No. Well, that's two buffs. He's busting two, out of his jeans. Two buffs for one. Yeah. <laughs> so Napoleon's ten, he's James. Take the reins back. <laughs> so yes, kind of. No, a, this is good. He's a nerd. Although you know, apparently, um, he was apparently average height. Apparently, he wasn't that short, but uh, he was British scrawny. propaganda. Was so he was like five eight, five nine. No, he's five five. <laughs> oh, Average for a Frenchman at the right, time, right, right. But the British changed; they they had a different unit of measurement because of Robespierre, because they changed mm-hmm. all the units of measurement in the calendar and everything. So they the British used that. What they switched the measurement, so they made him sound so much smaller than he was. Ah, oh. <laughs> hmm, yeah, that's um, funny. Okay, so, so that funny. <laughs> <laughs> So that's sort of early Napoleon. Um, in 1784, he was ad- ad- admitted to the École Militaire in Paris, uh, which is like a, a very famous French military academy, and he trained to become an artillery officer. He was the first Corsican to graduate from the École Militaire. That's hey, actually what he's most famous for, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is his picture still on the wall? Yeah. <laughs> Um, he graduated. He be- Name the cafeteria after. <laughs> <laughs> Napoleon grilled cheese and fries. <laughs> His favorite meal. <laughs> French fries. <laughs> um, this is great. Yeah, it's already awesome. Uh, so he graduated. And from- I am, I just want to say to the listeners, I am picturing the Napoleon from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, not Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, <laughs> I don't want anyone to picture Joaquin Phoenix while we're talking about. Yeah, it. you think Joaquin Phoenix is as a Napoleon? Maybe uh, we should save that for a big special blast at the end. Okay, yeah. we can save that. What do you think? Because that <laughs> could be a whole save that we don't think it's a great th- casting choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a big <laughs> twist. But yeah. also, this is coming out. This this episode yeah. is gonna. Like, dictate like who goes to the theater for this or not. Like, for it's sure. going to sway massive <laughs> amounts of people. Yeah. They should have paid us to say yeah, it's yeah. exciting or something. Yeah, which I wouldn't be able to live with myself. <laughs> I would. Um, okay, so he graduates from this military school. He becomes a second lieutenant in an artillery regiment. Uh, he fights in Corsica and gets appointed senior gunner, and he's doing really well. So he's 24, and he's already like, very quickly, kind of an important guy in the military. Um, Evany. I would say, so we've jumped over a massive thing between him being 24 and th- being the youngest brigadier general ever in the history of France. Okay. And his uh, military training, which is the French Revolution. The whole French Revolution happens in that time. So why don't you give us a primer on the French Revolution? Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, this is good. <laughs> Jump in, jump in. James, you forgot the French Revolution. <laughs> um, it's actually, Mike, on the next page of the Google Doc. You know what? Keep going. I'll, I'll talk about it when we get there. I'm God, sorry. God, this was another Our episode of end. the newlywed game. <laughs> well, here's what I'll say. When, when do each of us think the French Revolution was? We have to write it down. D- uh, dear. <laughs> um, sorry, James. No, you know what? It's actually a perfect time to do it. Please, please give nerd. us, Please give us a primer on the French Revolution. Okay, quick primer on the French Revolution. And the reason this is important to the Napoleon story is that it's going to set up his whole deal 
uh, and the crazy hypocrisy that he would become famous for. But also, if it hadn't been for the French Revolution, he could not have become, like, we would never have heard of him in a way. The, the way he rose through the ranks was because of the French Revolution. Basically, it's 1789, uh, so Napoleon's like 1920, um, and uh, there's like unrest everywhere. France and England have been mad at each other for like a thousand years. They're constantly fighting for power for all of Europe. Uh, France has not done that well in the Seven Years' War. And then uh, America overthrows Britain, uh, and, and France is very excited in the American Revolution. France is very excited to kind of fucking stick it to Britain. So they send all their money to the Americans to help them defeat the British, and then they have no money except to be rich and fat and not give anyone any food or bread. So there's and the like Americans a huge were inspired there. by French as well for their revolution, right? Like Jean-Jacques Rousseau and all those guys? Uh, yes, but but the American Revolution kind of preceded some of that. So they had given a, oh. France had given a lot of money to America to help them kind of overthrow British rule, and then they oh. were broke themselves, and uh, and it eventually led to their own uh, revolution. Because yeah, so they had been like, eh, fuck you, Britain. So <laughs> so he's fighting for the king's army for a bit. Then, right? Oh yes, As he will switch sides guy. many times. Yes. So technically, he's fighting to protect the regime, and basically. You know the, the 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 broad strokes of the French Revolution is all you know. It's very one percent energy. It's very Occupy Wall Street. Uh, the the peasants have nothing. Marie Antoinette spending all this money, being crazy. The French coffers are empty because they funded the American Revolution, and so uh, they overthrow the government. And it will be one of the bloodiest, most vicious overthrows of government in the history of the world. Uh, and there's like a four year terror. They're guillotining everyone. All of which Napoleon's going to witness firsthand. And the guy that emerges out of this is. Robespierre with the very leftist Jacobin government and France is in so like now as he's rising the ranks and he manages to go from fighting for the regime to fighting for the Jacobin the, the leftist side the republic that's going to emerge out of this and Robespierre's a kook you should do an episode on him but he fully throws out kind of every idea France has ever had he changes the calendar to like a psychotic 10 day week he says God isn't the thing anymore it's just this person he or this creature he calls the supreme being everyone's freaking <laughs> yeah, he out he goes too far he goes, he goes way too <laughs> far he also had that psycho young maniac on his by his side too i wanted to do an episode on him one time but i totally am stupidly forgetting his name right now one of like robin robin, robin. <laughs> yeah. robespierre and robin <laughs> And he just wore underpants in a game. I just thought because evany knows so much she'd know who i'm talking about but it, not marat who is his opponent no yeah I don't no. know who... He's like this young psycho that was also going power mad and isolated at the same time. Ah. How but, in a bit but Napoleon's cuckoo. able to huh? sort of like... You know, so, but that's it. so Napoleon's able to like ping pong around. Without losing his head. And this is why this whole thing of like whether he was a nobleman or not is important. Because when, when right. it's still a monarchy, he's like, yeah, we're totally aristocrats. And then it's Robespierre and he's like, oh, we're so poor and crazy like you guys. Uh, and so he keeps <laughs> managing to like zigzag and then ropes pairs out and the and the directory is in which is this new kind of semi in between government uh that's like Did a bit democratic a but not point though personal this or is where it gets creepy because you would think like his game was always about corsica and i'm gonna like avenge corsica and he even wrote an essay when he was a young man that he was like the key to happiness is not to have any ambition said Napoleon, <laughs> which is crazy. And then oh, slowly he'll just abandon all of his ideals to become a madman. But And maybe worth mentioning, yeah, because like up to this point in France, an absolute rule for the monarchy, there's an absolute ruler, and the French Revolution is 
the idea of it, I guess, is like the commoners taking that power away from the absolute rulers, and I guess it's going to be kind of a democracy. Yeah, the whole idea is that you can't say that God ordained you to be king and absolutism is over. And they succeed, and it's crazy that Napoleon will kind of come through that, given what happens not that long after. Uh, but also then all of the other governments of Europe are like, oh, fuck, no, don't do that, because they're all like now revolutions brewing everywhere because of what happened in France, which, yeah, again... Napoleon will take advantage of. Well said, Ebony. Well said. So, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Does anybody who's ever got all of the people's best interests at heart uh, all the time, it's, it's an emperor. It's an emperor, famously, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like a megalomaniacal <laughs> little guy who was bullied a lot in high school. That's who yeah. you want. But before we stick with me, <laughs> aside, aside from his military like brilliance as an artillery guy and then a strategist later, he was not just... Like the typical like dunderheaded military soldier guy, he was like interested in like culture and science and the new ideas like of of uh, the Enlightenment, probably right. Like yes, very much so. And he like he will be instrumental in bringing like so, like art to France. He's he takes the Louvre from Italy or takes uh, the Mona Lisa. He takes the Louvre right. to Italy, <laughs> brings it that- back. Brick by brick. He, he takes that glass pyramid <laughs> <Yeah>. on a... <laughs> um, he but, opened the first KFC in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> he took Disney from Florida and made Euro Disney. Um, no, but 100%. But then also in like really embarrassing ways that go back to his like teen nerddom. Like he proposed, like before Josephine, he proposed to this like merchant's daughter who wasn't into him and he wrote a whole romantic novel about it, which is very bad. Um, right. And did a lot of stuff. Yeah, he was like... He kind of had that streak in him too. Right. Um, so exactly, Mike. He's he's this brilliant military guy. He actually had a moment where things were going a bit bad for him. He refused an assignment because it would have been a demotion. So he's like, I'm not doing that. And he kind of gotten a bit of shit for it. And it could have gone all wrong for Napoleon. But there was a royalist rebellion and he uh, was commanding the defensive forces. And he was like incredible at it. And wipe them out. So he put down a royalist rebellion trying to snuff out the revolution. And this is his first, like, is he an evil man moment? Because it was like, and it said that, like, with anyone else, like, it could, it would have been a full counter revolution to, like, reinstate the monarchy. It could have gone on forever. Um, And he just stands there with cannons in front of the Tuileries Palace and then shoots hundreds of people in the face at point-blank range of his own countrymen, in theory. Like, it was so brutal that everyone was like, oh, my God. And then it just ended that day. And then they were like, I guess you're in charge of a bunch of the army now? But it was, like, really horrific what he did. Cannonballs would rip their heads off of their bodies? Yeah, like, he waited. Like, they were, like, armed with, like, pitchforks and he waited till he could see the whites of their eyes and then open full cannon fire into a crowd of civilians and cannons because i looked it up at the time i was reading about napoleon like cannonballs would just like they're they just rip through your like they don't yeah. explode they just rip yeah through they just you, keep right? going right <laughs> through yeah, the they're, crowd. they're solid balls yeah, yeah. we should right. try shooting one on a patreon at one of, yeah. one of yeah, our yeah you should ourselves. all kind of hug around the waist and then have some, and go oh no and then have someone fire them through your chest because my mind I was like oh yeah they shoot them out and then they explode but they don't they just they're just they go through you and they're probably very hot and they probably just eat through your skin and bones yeah, yeah it doesn't sound fun <laughs> I don't even know if they're hot 
Yeah, I they're don't know if they're hot either. I don't, I don't, even I don't know if they're hot. Through your body. <laughs> they're in, they put them in a pizza oven before they put them in the cannon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen a, pa- a a piece of armor in a museum that had a <laughs> cannonball ripped through it, and it looks fucking crazy. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Pretty grizzly back so then. This the is Hockey the Hall of Fame. <laughs> 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 a puck shot by Marty McSorley. <laughs> Pied Omi's uniform. (laughs) (laughs) Youch. But Uh, that's like the first thing he'll do that's like a bit unpredictable, totally works, is oddly brutal, but everyone's like, I like this guy. I like like his moxie. (laughs) Yeah, and yes, right, this got him fame, wealth, and the government called the Directory was sort of like, okay, we we like you, Napoleon. Um, You know when you're living in a world uh, of rules, a maverick is always so tantalizing, isn't he? Are they? Yes. You know what I mean? Like that Mel Gibson movie. Yeah. Maverick. Oh, <laughs> James Garner and... Um, that was based on Napoleon. Jodie Foster. Yeah. If, if Napoleon no, people, in the Wild West. People do, yeah, an outsider. Yeah, and he Trump. was. And weirdly, and this is where, again, the comparisons get weird, because, like, also Hitler, an outsider. Also Stalin, an outsider. Also Alexander the Great, an outsider. Like, very often, mm-hmm. it's these outsider types who then kind of... <laughs> Because right people, up, right up the butt. <laughs> society gets too tight. They create these stringent rules that actually uh, are kind of like these giant swamp weeds that start constricting around you and pulling you tighter and tighter. And then someone goes, "Hey guys, I got a machete. I live right over here." <laughs> are you saying we have to drain the swamp, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> and yep. And the last guy did not do his job properly, so we need an even. Yeah, better. but he's going to do it in twenty-four. <laughs> Um, so it's 1796 and Napoleon's 27 and he's now leading the, uh, uh leading commander in the French the year army. Cobain, well, the age of Kurt Cobain was when he blew his brains out. I think at 27, maybe I was just transitioning from sketch to stand up. I, I was say. depressed at 27 and I put a, <laughs> I put a cannon to my head Shit, dude. and I almost lit the wick but nah. I'm so <laughs> glad then he you thought this cannonball is going to be too hot put on some oven mitts <laughs> so yeah Napoleon he's killing it he's 27 um, and no one had ever been that young doing this job only because of the French Revolution like ever like you'd be 50 at this job even then and he just because the whole army was was reconstituted right after the revolution yeah so there's like, this, there will be this theme that he emerges from where they just keep being like oh we went too left and now we're in the middle and we don't know what to do and do we want the monarchy back and we don't know and it keeps kind of skirting around so they're in this directory phase that's so it's like when Easy Rider just totally fucked up Hollywood they're yeah. like we are out of touch yeah <laughs> Dennis Hopper seems like a cool guy no notes won't look too hard in his personal <laughs> life Get him at the Oscars. <laughs> What's wrong, Dennis Hopper's girlfriend? Don't talk to her. <laughs> right this way, the youth. <laughs> Do you guys uh, like cigarettes? <laughs> yeah. The hell? Um, so P- I so read- he is like Kurt Cobain, too. Yeah, but for sure. Just changing shit the fuck up. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll never be the same again. Um, people were also, I read, people were amazed at how quickly he could learn tactics and political strategy just by asking questions about it, like at a party or something. He would ask questions that people might at first be like, this guy's dumb. Like He, he wasn't afraid to seem dumb asking every little detail about something, but then he'd remember it all and like 
one of those guys that could become an expert on something shockingly quick, apparently. They say to photographic memory, they think. <clears throat> okay, but can I do my uh, guessing here again about this era? And um, <laughs> were things that complicated at all? Yes. <laughs> okay. things, I think I, I hear where you're coming from really yeah, dump them all down. But we're like we're in the height of the Enlightenment. Things are very complicated in Europe. Policy is oh. very complicated, mm-hmm. and 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 it's the the population's never been more educated. This is sort of what I'm saying about the swamp weed strangling you down. If you're like an aristocratic Lock bureaucracy, right? And every like what you're saying, like policy upon policy, so that like you scratch my back, I scratch your back, and it just becomes this sort of feast of nonsense. And then you get a guy who comes in and blows your head off with a cannonball. It's <laughs> exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Well, if you did. But also, the maverick move of blowing everybody's head off with a cannonball uh, is a de facto way of shedding all, like, all the importance on that like, uh, bureaucracy that eats itself over and over again in this like, uh, stuffy old aristocracy uh, world. What was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, if you did... Li- I mean, it just eliminates it anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you blow the head off of anything with a cannon, it's kind of, that kind of eliminates it, for sure. Like, emotions dominate, is what I'm saying. In that kind of setting. Emotions yes. are freeing at, in this sense. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, if you did live in France where, the, you know, the king's the absolute ruler and there's no money and, you know, you see their wealth and you... And, and, you're you're overthrowing them and it's like I mean And he probably resented the French monarchy as a Corsican nationalist as yeah, well. Yeah, like so it, w- it would like, be so thrilling. It would be thrilling. Like I remember when there were riots in um like during COVID and I part of me was like, I wonder if they're gonna like go to Jeff Bezos's house and like pull him out of there and you know, there's a horrible part of you that's like, let's go crazy. Maybe we should cut that out. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I yeah. can imagine in that moment the to take down these sort of uh, yeah. ultra... You're just saying you wonder how far the chaos will go. I think that's, that's completely natural. I think yeah. we all did that. I thought tanks were going to like drive down the street at one point yeah. in the early days. <laughs> um, Evany, shall we talk about Joseph? It was actually <laughs> quite depressing how <laughs> limited we all allowed ourselves to be in chaos. We all uh, cowered. In our homes and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> drain the swamp is so Ebony, shall we talk about a lady named Josephine? Yes, I would say, other than being a bullied nerd in high school, Josephine is gonna have the biggest impact <laughs> on Napoleon's kind of later um, dick swinging energy in a way. That's not all true, also, his weird personality and his strange drive but josephine is like a big part of his life and basically paul barris who is the head of the directory so he's like kind of the head politician in france right now napoleon manages to make friends with him and paul barris is like i got this mistress she's driving me nuts you gotta take her off my hands man uh and this is josephine who is six years older than napoleon she has two kids um and Facts differ on whether she was a babe or a bit not a baby. May, may I chip in, Evany? Yeah. I read that Josephine's dad was a uh, aristocrat who owned a sugarcane plantation in Martinique, and so 
she ate so much sugar that her teeth were blackened by her late 20s. But despite having black teeth, she was still considered one of the hottest socialites in Paris. But if you ever look at portraits of her, her mouth is always kind of closed and tight-lipped because she was hiding her weird black teeth always. Mike, could you ever see yourself, you know, getting with a hot babe who has black teeth? Absolutely. (laughs) That's my experience. I would lick her sugary teeth. And no, nice time, yeah. Instead of a candy cane, Michael. Yeah. Sweet taste. Yeah. <laughs> at Christmas time, instead of licking a candy cane, yeah, you could uh, lick your teeth. It's every young man's dream. Every young man on the rise in France. Uh, an older woman with black teeth. <laughs> they don't are, are down to nubs. Yeah, Little black yeah. nubs. <laughs> they say. Because imagine dental care back, back then. An older oh, woman man. with black teeth has nothing to lose in the sack. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's the case. I also read that um, she had a childlike vibe, squeaky voice, impressed by gifts, uh, through fits, and Napoleon kind of liked this, apparently. He she liked- sounds like a demon that crawls out of your TV <laughs> after you get a haunted VHS cassette. She's... Honestly, and I'm always defending women of Indian history, what a tough go they had. I think Josephine was a real bitch. <laughs> she was oh, I love it. Do you think... Woo. Was like, did he have some sort of visits to a brothel, or was she his first, like, his first experience with a woman? But at no, 27, he had, he had like some like failed experience with a prostitute where it like didn't quite work, and then he wrote an <laughs> academic essay about it to be like, I did that for research. Like, and this was before I came that. too soon for research. I came, I came, yeah, before I got inside for research. But she was his first, like, I came real, like a cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mike, I think he was engaged to someone named Desiree Clary earlier, but it didn't. That was the merchant's novel. Oh, I know her. romantic novel about. Oh, right, oh, you know right, Desiree? Right, right. You all know Desiree? She's, yes. oh, she's nice. Um, she dumped him, so that bummed him out. This will also be a theme. But um, so he meets Josephine, and he's like immediately obsessed with her in like kind of a humiliating way that she finds quite disgusting. Uh, one <laughs> thing that he liked to do a lot when he was with her is climb into her lap like a little baby boy, and she and he she kind of had. Why to am allow I thinking this. of Chris right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd like get up in her lap and like want to sit on her lap, and she was like woof uh fairly but then he would write her these like crazy involved quite sexual love letters which she never wrote back and instead she would read them at parties to her friends and like laugh at him <laughs> whoa she was like not into him but she then she had no idea he was about to become an emperor well she guessed i think she could see that she found him quite disgusting but his star was on the rise and he was quite like we call it pussy blind uh, for her. So I she, think I love her. Yeah. So she finally gets kind of warm, and she's like, keep in mind, like a like her husband had been killed in the revolution. She's like a widow with two kids, and the head of the government's like, I don't want to fuck you on the side anymore. Like she's kind of in a she's looking for her next meal ticket. So she realizes his stars on the rise, and kind of Paul Barris couldn't like get her off on anyone else and Napoleon's like I love her uh, so they get married finally she agrees to marry him and then he immediately goes to Italy they barely have a wedding night right and uh, um, it might be a little bit out of time but uh, she cheated on him she had a um, like a miss not a, a male mistress a I mistress. guess yeah. she had a mister <laughs> she had a mister mister and when she, he convinced her to come visit him in Italy Napoleon did she kind of brought the mister along oh no and um, he was hurt like he hadn't apparently cheated on her at this point and then he saw she was cheating on him and he's yeah. like oh fuck this and he got a mis- he got a couple mistresses then but he was hurt that she cheated on him but before he did that he poisoned her dog <laughs> he did <laughs> yeah <laughs> she had a little pug Named Liberté or something that maybe was a gift from the mister. It's kind of a basic bitch name. (laughs) Liberté. 
fraternity tay, a galley yeah. tay, whatever. Um, what is he made out of yogurt? Yeah, it was a little yogurt <laughs> dog. He was a little Liberty yogurt dog. That, that I think the Mister maybe gave her, and then um, she, he she told him he didn't she didn't love him anymore, and she found out he found out she was having these affairs, and he arranged to have her dog poison. <laughs> There's nothing worse from a guy's POV than when you're older girlfriend with black teeth cheats on you <laughs> who doesn't love you who cheats on you yeah. <laughs> that's the ultimate cucking yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's talking to his friends like oh she cheated on me oh i'm so sorry man maybe you should date someone without black teeth <laughs> there are plenty of older women with black teeth in the sea <laughs> you guys don't get it it's from her dad's sugar <laughs> That's what's so cute about it. (laughs) We were talking about this before the podcast, but I remember reading about Napoleon and Josephine and that she was like, because she was older than him and had had many lovers and maybe a reputation, but she was famous for doing something in the bedroom (laughs) that that no historian quite knows what it is, but in the bed with Napoleon and they would write letters to each other. She was known for something, doing a move called zigzags. What? (laughs) That... No one. It was never explained in like one of his letters to her, but it appears several times in their correspondence. Maybe licking his butt hole or something, or like back then, if it's like you think everyone was stupid, it was like was it like the first time it was just like a girl on top or like yeah. <laughs> like zigzag zigzag yeah zigzag <laughs> should be a zigzag tonight some kind of hetero yeah. scissoring yeah <laughs> scissoring. <laughs> Or she just crossed her eyes while they did missionary. Well, famously, um, Napoleon did like when Josephine, and this is not a joke, he liked a bit of stank on her downtown. Because that letter where he's like, don't wash? Yeah, he sent her a letter like, I'm coming home in three weeks. Please don't bathe from now till then. I want to... S- Taste your okay, I'm going to say another vote. ignorant thing about the past that I assume. <laughs> okay. I assume that back then they had to convince themselves they liked the stank because <laughs> it wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> Could be. I mean, I know they had bathtubs, but not how But often? do we think maybe that was a joke also? I, I, Ebony, oh. I, I would never say that to Ebony. I'll tell you that flat Ebony, out. is that true or not? No, he keeps asking me to wash it. <laughs> Here's my impression of a joke. I'm coming home. Please wash. (laughs) (laughs) There is a way his his letters to her do read like those of of like a of an incel who got a girlfriend. Like they're they're a bit too much and they're a bit they're a bit stank heavy. (laughs) Yeah. Here's my impression of a joke. Don't wash your hoo ha 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 ha. (laughs) (laughs) That would have gone over like gangbusters back then. (laughs) Get it? Yes. (laughs) Don't wash it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he liked he liked her he liked her punani <laughs> raw. <laughs> he Sorry, liked her punani. <laughs> he liked her punani pooey. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you, just, you just winced when <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no. Are we allowed to say that word? Punani? I think so. Yeah, okay, yeah. I trust yeah, you guys. Yeah. I trust you guys. Yeah. Am I allowed to say punani? <laughs> Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and James, I feel like there's no what ep, what ep, what hun, 
hundred episode are you on? There's no way you, James Harden, have yeah. never said Punani on this podcast. I haven't because I don't want to get in trouble, you know. With who, Mike? Well, I asked Mike. Is that okay? Mike knows. No, you didn't care about getting in trouble anymore. <laughs> well, I do. It gets us more listeners, probably. Well, that is be true. Be bad boys, don't you think? Discord, okay. can James say Punani on the air? Oh, hey, <laughs> listeners, let us know if your Punani stank. <laughs> So when they're married and they have this time in Italy, he's not like he's just like a very powerful guy in the army then at this point. Yeah, so basically they're going to get married but it's like these very these very rushed nuptials. He's like there's like a weird stuff about their wedding where like nobody shows up. He's three hours late. He has to like wake up the priest. It's like a bit of a disaster. And then like four hours later, he has to leave because he's been made the first, uh, like the the head of the French army in Italy by uh, by Paul Barris, by the head of the directory. Um, right. So he's like, love you, bye. And she's like, I'm staying here. So she's immediately like, they get married, quick kiss, bye-bye, quick smell of the stank, and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's staying behind with her yogurt dog having sex with other people and he's off to, to it's Italy. the ideal honeymoon yeah. perfect this honeymoon. Is crazy. and he's yeah. off to Italy for like a couple years and this is where he's gonna like establish himself right. like this is where he's finally gonna get some confidence and it's just because he's in Italy because revolutionary France is so chaotic that it's being invaded by like all of the neighboring countries taking advantage of France in that moment yeah so he'll so they're he'll yeah they're uh, what are they called not the collectives there's seven of them uh, later they were called like the third collective or something. Yeah, so th- there'll be seven times and in his, from now until like his end, uh, a bunch of European countries will get together and try to stop him and fail six right. out of those seven times. And this is the first one in Italy where Corsica, what, you know, like we said, Italy wasn't unified yet. So this is like a real hotbed for control. So all these countries get together to try to stop him from taking, but but Italy is a, is a French territory at this point or most of it is. Okay. So he's rallying, there's like these broke, unhappy Italians uh, who are being kind of conscripted into this army and he has this vibe that they can get behind they suddenly don't feel because now he's leaning on his Italian side he's not a French guy in Italy he's one of them and what he does that like no one had thought to do I guess since Alexander the Great and even then not as much is he's getting down in the muck with them if he wants a cannon fired he's doing it himself if he he's sitting around at night he's sharing his food with soldiers if there's a little drummer boy who's cold he invites them over to his fire generals were never hanging out with soldiers and he's doing this in a way that is really smart because as we mentioned this is the most literate army in in Europe at the time so he quietly knows and this is where his like freak PR mind's gonna start that they're all writing letters back home and some of them have families in France being like this guy fucking rules so he's creating mythos for himself back in France back in unoccupied places already about what a like cool guy he is this is where he gets the nickname the little corporal and he's like and then the other thing he does that's really kind of like spooky and wild is that he just like he's gonna beat the other armies that they're fighting because he convinces everyone that they're gonna live off the land so they're they stop bringing like livestock with them and supply trains and all this <laughs> stuff and they're just like foraging in the italian woods and then like kicking everybody's ass Which, and he, yeah they literally are hungry to kill the other people yes and he be- like and he's becomes like unstoppable because his army believes in him and then this is where he gets his cultural side going so he starts bringing over um, art experts and all these things he starts ripping art off the wall he literally he takes the Mona Lisa he takes all these things that all end up back at the Louvre which is now named after him in Paris um, or it will be 
And then he also starts realizing with all this art stuff and seeing all this art, and he kind of has a moment. He's like, I should do this. So this is when, <laughs> even in Italy, he starts having a portraitist come follow him around and start painting portraits of him. And these keep all getting sent back to France, and they're right. wildly inaccurate to what was going on. So, like, there's a really famous Jacques Louis David painting where he's like on a rearing white horse, and like Charlemagne and Hannibal's names are inscribed underneath because he's crossing the Alps uh, <laughs> to take Austria. And uh, it's like such a dramatic painting. And in reality, the army was like two days ahead of him. He was on a donkey. It was very wet <laughs> but he was like, yeah, put the Instagram filter on it. And now it's like, and then he's so sexy in the painting. And so suddenly he's like, Already by the time he's back from Italy, he's built like, everyone's like, this guy's a living legend. And he's done all of this. <laughs> and while he's the first, he was there. the first, like, maybe like leader to personally sort of, uh, oversee the production of his image like that? Like, yes. Right. There had been like cult of personality before, but no one had thought to be like, I could just lie. Uh, and this is where he kind of gets this idea. So the the man, like he's already beloved by his soldiers, but then who he is when he comes back is already like wildly exaggerated. He's already like mythical when he comes back uh, from Italy. Right. And uh, by the way, one thing about his Egyptian campaign that we didn't mention, um, he brought a bunch of scientists there and mathematicians and stuff, and they made all these discoveries, including they discovered the Rosetta Stone. That was Napoleon who discovered that. Yeah. So was that after Italy was the Egypt And this campaign? is where his, then it gets, starts to get evil again. Because he comes back from Italy, and, every, and all, the, all the politicians are a bit afraid of him because he's getting so powerful. So they try to give him another shitty assignment, and always his thing is like, I'm going to be unpredictable so he suddenly is like i'm gonna take egypt and everyone was like why what <laughs> this was like no one asked him to do this but he had like kind of a weird narrative where he was like well we can interrupt like britain's supply line to india if we take egypt and everyone was like i guess and he was gone and he went off to egypt and he fought in in the battle of the pyramids and they literally fought like next to the pyramids. did they shoot a cannon at the sphinx's face or is that from like a, like a? You might be thinking of Aladdin, and they fly into an unflying carpet. <laughs> I think I'm thinking of a, of a, what's his name, Sherman and Peabody cartoon from Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> it is possible though that 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 was from the Napoleonic Wars. I don't know. It might be. Hmm. Or it's from a Sherman and Peabody cartoon. Yeah. I don't I, know. Most of my history comes from Sherman and Peabody. <laughs> Me too, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's a good show. But in Egypt, there would... Uh, sorry, and, I'll, and then I'll stop talking. Uh, but Egypt's where he got real... So to get a bit evil because the campaign wasn't going well so there was weird like one of the like first real bad things he did is they had all these prisoners of war and even for 1799 people were like he did what and he had them all like a thousand people stabbed at bayonet on a beach Ooh. and then his own soldiers got the bubonic plague and there's all these paintings of him visiting them and being like this magic kind of Jesus figure and then as soon as he left the hospital he was like poison all of them and he had all <laughs> his own men killed so there was no paper trail to this and the only reason people found out is some of them survived the poisoning and they were like oh that was Napoleon. Um, so he has like a Whoa, real bad, bloody record there. And it doesn't work. And he doesn't take Egypt. And he leaves his army there and comes back and was like, I nailed it, you guys. It was awesome. And we're all <laughs> going to do cool Egyptian art now. And everything that was like really hip to be like walk like an Egyptian in, in Paris after he came back. And it was a total failure. So this is so now he's getting a bit cuckoo, and I'm sorry I talked for so long. James, no, and not I'm at all. Now. Are you sure Forever. that it, the stuff in Egypt was a failure? Because uh, 
I thought I had that it went okay, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, it was. Or like, it said there was eventual setbacks, so maybe it was a mixed bag. Yeah, like he had some success when it started, but right, ultimately he did not conquer Egypt, and France never became a colony of. Or Egypt gotcha, never became a colony gotcha. of France. But he did return back to France, like this hero, a symbol of French glory, French revival, and um, so he comes back, and people are fed up with the Directory, the government there. They're losing influence. People are kind of over it. They're corrupt. So Napoleon comes back to France and he sees this opening like he's this powerful military leader. He's popular. He's doing all this stuff. And the the government there is not strong and people hate it. So he uh, launched a coup against the directory in 1798. And this was successful. And he ushered in. It ushered in Napoleon as the first consul of the French Republic at 29. He was 29 years old and he took over France. Um, there were supposed to be other consuls that ro- uh, consuls, excuse me, that rotated in later, but obviously that never happened. Um, and they they did have an election to kind of preserve the idea that it was a democracy, but his <laughs> brother rigged it. Yeah, his brother was his brother Joseph was a real sketchbag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he basically made himself a myth while he was in Egypt. So by the time he comes back, they're like, this guy's a god. He can't be killed. And then and then after watching the guillotine and the French Revolution happen, he basically sets up a government based on Rome, the most severe form of absolutism ever. And he's like, <laughs> you guys like this? And they're like, we love it. Well, it's crazy. Guys, <clears throat> I mean, this has been such a banger so far. I think we could stop here. I think uh, I talked for, for the, too much. No, time. you didn't. Are you no, kidding me? Sorry, Thank God you're talking. It's probably no the best. No men hate when women do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Well, probably all three of us will become emperors later. Yeah, I, I'll learn. No. <laughs> that was amazing, Ev. Incredibly informative. Yeah, this is amazing. So um, why don't we p- stop here as the end of Napoleon Part 1, and we'll come back next week with the finale. And uh, while you're waiting for the finale, don't go nuts and... Pull your bone apart. Whoa. Cool, right? <laughs> do one on a, do a Napoleon one. First name. Go find a, n- n- a go find Paul de Leon. <laughs> <laughs> Good. On Good that note. God, that was hard. <laughs> has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!